My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people that are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I will be speaking with Mark Brown. It is a truism, but worth noting nonetheless. Human institutions are always a product of the society in which they exist. Where the fabric of that society is woven through with particular kinds of injustices and oppressions, so too is the functioning of institutions within that society. So, for all that they are important vehicles for working people to collectively struggle to meet their needs and exert power over their conditions, this is no less true of unions than of any other kind of institution. Just as there are long histories of black people, indigenous people, people of color, disabled people, women, queer people, trans people, and people at the various intersections of those identities being marginalized in the context of Canadian society as a whole, so there are also histories of them experiencing marginalization within the labor movement. To respond to this reality, groups of workers who share some form of marginalization beyond simply their status as workers have for a long time now come together, formally or informally, to challenge that marginalization and to work for justice both within the labor movement and in the broader society. Take, for instance, black workers in Canada. In the more distant past, they were completely prevented from joining unions. In more recent decades, they and other racialized workers have been members of many unions in many places, but they have been un- or underrepresented in leadership roles, and their experiences and struggles have not always been reflected in labor's practices, priorities, and demands. Organizing by black workers and other workers of color has accomplished a lot over the decades to challenge and change this, but there is much work still to do. One important vehicle through which that organizing by black workers has happened has been the Canadian chapter of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, or CBTU, which brings together black activists from across the labor movement and across the country. The CBTU has existed in the United States since the 1970s, and the network of black union members that later became the CBTU chapter in Canada has been active since at least the 1980s, though the roots of black labor activism go back many more decades than that. The group is active in challenging anti-black racism, along with all of the other experiences of oppression with which it intersects, both within the labor movement itself and, in conjunction with community groups like Black Lives Matter, in the broader community. They also do things like run a children's camp, provide scholarships, mobilize black voters during elections, publicly commemorate past victories against slavery and racism, and regularly bring black workers together to discuss issues and to plan political action. Mark Brown is a member of the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, the chair of the Equity Committee of the Toronto and York Region Labour Council, and the social media officer of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists Canada. He speaks with me about the history of organizing within the labour movement by black workers, the role and work of the CBTU, and the important political challenges facing black trade unionists today. We spoke by Skype to phone from Toronto. And fair warning for listeners, just because of the connection that we were speaking over, some of Brown's answers, particularly later in the interview, 
the sound has kind of a, a muffled quality to it. My apologies for that. My name is Mark Brown. I'm a postal worker. I'm a member of the Canadian Unit of Postal Workers, and my story is, is that one day, approximately 20 years ago, one of my co-workers walked up to me and said, you know what, let's become top stewards. And, you know, I, I, I didn't really take him seriously, but then after a while, he convinced me, and little did I know then that that was the beginning of a long story. Over the last 20-plus years, I've been a postal worker for 27 years now, and over the last 20-plus years, I've been elected to numerous positions within the Canadian Union of Postal Workers, the most recent being the National Director for the Metro Toronto Region, and from there uh, into the labor movement, where I was at one point sitting on the OFL board, the Toronto-New York Region Labor Council board. The OFL is the Ontario Federation of Labor. And now I'm the chair of the Equity Committee for the Toronto and York Region Labor Council, as well as the social media officer for the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists. And I'm here on behalf of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, and hopefully when it's all done, your listeners will understand a bit more of the, the role that the coalition plays, not just in the overall labor movement, but in society and the work that we do. The CBTU, the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists in Canada, as the name suggests, is a coalition of different unionists, each person belonging to a particular trade union. And we are an advocate. We provide a voice specifically for the black workers within the labor movement. The history of black workers goes back to as far as the days of segregation in Canada. And at those times, Black workers were not permitted to join the union. So we've come a long way since then. There is a long way to go. But the CBTU offers an avenue, a voice, support for black workers throughout the labor movement and throughout greater society as well. The CBTU, the national board, stems from the United States. It came about in the era of Richard Nixon, and they too were seeking a voice that represents the interests of African Americans within the U.S. system, within the U.S. labor movement. So they've been established for some time. While that was going on, here north of the border, we were making a conservative effort as well to be represented, to be recognized within the Canadian labor movement. A group of advocates were advocating for equity seats. At that time, they were called racial minority seats, specifically on the Canadian Labor Council Board and the Ontario Federation of Labor Board. This was a struggle. While it wasn't written on the books that we weren't permitted to participate as it was in the days of segregation, the reality sometimes is still the same. So a concerted effort was made to change that and at the Ontario Federation of Labor Convention in 1987, Brother Herman Stewart of the International Ladies' Garment Workers Union was elected as the first person of color there. Following that, the coalition, or, or what would become the coalition, redoubled its effort to get equity, to get inclusion at the Canadian Labor Congress level. And in 1990, a brother by the name of Dory Smith challenged the slate of the executives that were being elected, and he was able to pull in over a thousand votes. And that at that time was a significant percentage of the votes 
for that particular convention. The following year, again, what would be the coalition of black trade unions wasn't stopping there. The CFC was at that time prepared to consider one, again, visible minority seats, which was the name that it was called at that time. But the uh, advocates that would later become the coalition of black trade unionists were lobbying now for two seats. And as part of their effort, they created a campaign that involved creating a button that basically said one plus one equals two. The message was simple. The challenge was getting people to wear it at that time. And the button was made available to anybody who had the courage to wear it. And by the time the convention was over, two visible minority members were elected to the CLC board. The advocacy part of it didn't stop there because within the individual affiliates throughout the labor movement, the same problem was there. Each union has union staff and the amount of racial minorities represented amongst those union staff was almost zero. So to highlight that, what happened was a report card was made. Today, we would call it an equity audit of the staff of each of the affiliates to highlight where they were as far as employment equity and transparency. And it showed that there was a huge problem. So by this time now, we reached 1995, and the advocates that are doing this work come up with the idea, listen, you know, we need to connect with the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists in the United States and talk to them about the possibility of a Canadian chapter. And in 1995, that's when they seek the Canadian chapter, and by 1996, that chapter was then approved at the International Convention, and we have what we call today as the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists, the Canadian chapter. Talk more about the kinds of experiences and the kinds of struggles faced by Black workers that make it so important to have an organization like the CBTU. Anytime you have an organization that, when you look at their the work floor, and their work floor is representative to a certain extent of the cultural diversity that Canada is known for, but when you look at the leadership and the leadership doesn't reflect that, there's a problem. And the problem can be categorized or put under the heading, the issues that affect those workers not making it to the table, not making it to the decision-making table, not making it around discussion. As I said earlier, we're coming from a time where Black workers at one point were not permitted to be part of a trade union. So we still had to get to the point where Black workers could be accepted in various different roles. Uh, the argument is always made that if you can build the railroad, then you can also lead those workers who are represented by the union before the employer. So CBTU advocates for issues that affect Black workers in relation to the labor movement. And I'm saying Black workers because we are the coalition of Black trade unionists. We put forward issues such as dealing with racism, all kinds of racism, whether that be anti-Black racism, whether that be racism against people that are at intersections in their life. They might be Black and gay, or they may be Black and Muslim. They may be at an intersection where they're Black and a woman, and we're dealing with racism and misogyny. So CBTU brings the attention to these issues and pushes for change for a voice at the table for these workers. CBTU, we also do a lot of work within the community as well. 
We do a lot of work with the zero gun violence movement, and specifically in the Toronto area. But we are the Canadian chapter, so we're not just here in Toronto. We have members that are in Quebec. We have members that are in BC. We have members that are in the Atlantic provinces. And we do the work as a labor organization would do within the community. So there is quite a bit. A good way to think of the CBTU is if you think of a hand, if that hand is the labor movement, well, CBTU is the index finger or the thumb, but it's a very important part of the overall picture and the overall work that labor does. Walk the listeners through a typical year of the CBTU's activities. Let's start with the year from the summer. So we have a children's camp that we do where we bring children from all over the community, from our affiliates and so on, to a summer camp where they're engaged, entertained, stimulated. We hype them up, get them all excited, and basically occupy their time for the summer school slash CBTU camp. With the federal election that just happened, our year included a campaign which is entitled Black Votes Matter. And what the CBTU did is we basically went throughout the province and throughout the country and gathered together groups from the community, from labor, both in and out of labor, and brought to them the importance of why we needed to vote in this particular election. As labor, we were under attack from the conservative government, from the hyper government, and it was imperative that all hands were on deck and that we were able to push back at the next election and address that. As a result of our work, I believe that the Black vote significantly increased. I say I believe because in Canada, we don't keep statistics like that yet. I believe we should. But the increase overall in the amount of voters that wouldn't normally vote for something that was fair and could be seen. We also have a fundraising gala that we do once a year. At this gala, we bring in affiliates from all over the country that fly into Toronto specifically for this gala. And this is where not only do we have various keynote speakers, but this is where we deal with the scholarship as well. What's not as generally known is that CBTU has provided countless numbers of scholarships for children going to post-secondary education over the years since we've been in existence. We offer two at the, what I would call the local level, which is the Canadian chapter level, and other scholarships at the national level, which is given out at the national convention. We also, as I stated, have a national convention, which takes place once every year. It takes place within the U.S. It's usually a different state. That's where the different chapters get together and we learn more about what each chapter is doing in their part of the country. And they learn about what we're doing in Canada and we learn about what we're doing in the U.S. Lastly, we do a lot of work with community organizations. We work with the Zero Gun Violence Movement, as I said earlier. We do a lot of work with the Black Lives Matter Toronto Movement. We work closely with that organization. And we also work with the Heritage Organization on what's called a freedom train. So every summer in Toronto, we deal with the GTC, but we also have simultaneously the same thing happening in Ottawa. And this takes place on Emancipation Day, which is the first weekend in August. And what we do 
was brought, or as we get on the subway, we're, we're working in partnership with, with the Toronto Transit Commission as well. But we're on board with the subway, and we have hundreds, literally hundreds of people, some in traditional African garments, drummers, poets. We have an entire subway train that is dedicated to us. And we get on the track at Union Station, and we basically head all the way back to downtown. And what we're doing is we're, we're retracking the story of the Underground Railroad, the path that the slaves took coming from the U.S. into Canada. At that point, over the loudspeakers, you can hear some of the stories of the people who went through that process. And those stories are made available over the airway in the TTC. We're singing songs and a moment of silence as well because some of them didn't make it. So we're bringing attention to the whole issue of the transatlantic slave trade and the journey that Black workers have come from the time that we were here as slaves to where we are now and to where we need to go, which is equity and inclusion where labor is concerned. Given how physically large Canada is, And given that black workers are scattered across countless different workplaces and so many different unions, what approaches does the CBTU use to connect with black workers? Well, the good thing about this third time is that the use of social media and the internet has made it much easier to connect with workers all over the world and all over Canada. When we have our meetings, our membership meetings, we have those workers from the different provinces, we bring them in electronically. So they may be on the phone line. In the future, we may be using things like Zoom and Skype to bring them in as well, but they're in in the equation as well. We have a CDC Facebook page that we are connected to. Um, If you're on Facebook, it's CDC Canada. We connect with workers all over the world through the Facebook page. The Twitter account as well, CDC Canada, we bring you to that. So through the use of social media and through our day-to-day work within the trade union movement as well. You mentioned it correctly that black workers are across the country. Many of us belong to national and international unions, and our work within the union movement brings us to those places as well. So there are many opportunities that we're able to connect with service community members as well. Recently, the Canadian Labor Congress had a human rights conference called Rise Up. Many of the members there were CBCU members from different parts of the country. So what did we do? We had a workshop at the conference, brought together literally hundreds of workers in that workshop. It was one of the biggest workshops that took place. And the workshop was entitled Making Our Voices Heard. So that's another way that we used to reach those workers as well. Myself, what I bring to the table is I'm a writer. I'm an often featured writer in the Pride News, which is the leading African Canadian Caribbean newspaper, as well as our Times magazine as well. We connect through those methods as well, bringing forward the work that is done in the community and connecting it with the work that is being done on labor. So there are ample opportunities that we take advantage of, our members take advantage of, to connect with other workers throughout the country. You talked earlier about how one of the formative goals of the network that would eventually become the CBTU was winning equity seats 
on the Ontario Federation of Labour and Canadian Labour Congress boards. Talk about what the core goals of the CBTU have been within the labour movement since winning those seats. The goals around equity within the labour movement, while we've made some progress, there's still a long way to go. We have a lot of affiliates whose leadership does not look like the work floor that they represent. And that's an area of concern. And with the recent elections that have taken place in the United States and the, the elected officers there fan the flames of division, where we feel that here as well. And as long as things like racism continue to exist, things like misogyny continue to exist, and Islamophobia and more, the work of the CBTU isn't finished. Our members are diverse. They are at all intersections of life. And unfortunately, some of the flames of division that are being founded in the U.S., they've also reached the elected officials here as well. All of these are areas of concern for Black workers and for the coalition of Black state unions. So the work that we do, it continues to develop. Our goals continue to evolve. But as long as there are things like racism, misogyny, homophobia, anti-Black racism, as long as these things are still ingrained in the fabric of society, the work of the coalition of Black trade unions is not complete. From what I understand, along with equity seats on executive boards, another important tool that has been used in the struggle against various forms of marginalization within the labor movement has been caucuses and committees within union locals that are focused on fighting those marginalizations. So things that in various places are called anti-racism committees or human rights committees or that sort of thing. Talk about the role of those kinds of committees and how they relate to the work of the CBTU. In order to answer that, I'm going to touch a little bit on how unions work. I'll use my union as an example, which is the Canadian Union Association. A lot of the decisions are made at the national table. And while we're doing better on the equity part of the equation today than we were years ago, even just one or two mandates ago, we're not at a stage where the leadership looks like the workforce. So often there are issues that need to be addressed that pertain to equity that pertains to work with the public. And if the human rights committees of various unions, I speak to the multiple unions, uh, the human rights committee of those affiliates that are the voice of workers of color and worker of color issues coming out of that particular organization. One of the projects that we've worked on within the Canadian Union of Postal Workers is the matter of Albert Jackson. Albert Jackson, based on information that we have, is Canada's first black postal worker. Now, his story is, is significant because when he was hired on in 1886, in those days, you had to get an appointment from the Prime Minister's office. That's how postal workers were hired. And when he reported for work as a letter carrier, the job of a letter carrier was the job of prestige. It was even higher than some of the white workers. And as a result, his co-workers, who were all white, refused to train him. And in order for him to be trained to deliver the mail, 
the prime minister himself had to intervene and get this worker trained. So these are some of the historical parts of the equation that human rights committees deal with and bring to the table. Uh, but not just historical parts of the equation as well. You've got what I'm going to refer to as the modern-day civil rights movement, which is the Black Lives Matter movement. And the connection to labor and that particular movement often comes through the human rights communities as a different affiliate. Some of the work that is done is done jointly. So the, the human rights or equity committee would be considered the force of workers, of color workers seeking equity within that particular labor organization. What would you say are the key barriers, both within and beyond the labor movement, to the CBTU accomplishing its goals? I would describe the barriers within labor as the same as barriers within society. In Canada, we're known for our diversity, and everybody has something to bring to the table. Having that said, racism, misogyny, anti-black racism, these are things that are woven into the fabric of society. And because it's woven into the fabric of society, there isn't any organization that can say that they're completely free of the influences. Inclusion, equity, is something that labor strives for. Again, labor is made up of people in Canadian society, which, as I stated earlier, is a society that has things like racism, and misogyny, etc., woven into a structure. What's coming up for the CBTU that you think is particularly important or particularly exciting? There's so much that's going on. The next thing that you'll, you'll likely see is the next chapter of the Black Vote Matter. That is something that we started with the previous election, and that's time I hope our goal is to continue that throughout upcoming elections as well. Of course, we have our national convention, which is in May. And at that point, as I stated earlier, we provide scholarships for the students that are going to post-secondary education. We have just elected a new executive in Canada. So we are excited about the charting the, the courses and the possibilities that this organization is going to go. Some of the work that I'm not as excited about, which I expect, will be around dealing with the repercussions of the United States election and the effect that that has on the work that needs to be done, those are discussions that need to be had, and decisions that need to be made in relation to that. I'm not overly excited about that part of the equation, but we're up for the challenge. We're up for the challenge. You have been listening to my interview with Mark Brown, a labor movement activist and the social media officer of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists Canada. To learn more about their work, go to cbtu.ca. That's cbtu.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to suggest topics for future shows, Go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.